room. Are you okay? Ready, ready, Jimmy? Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 through 17. I do want to pray. I, ask, I do want to continue to ask you to pray for us, and I want, to, I want to thank you for praying for us because it has been a power-packed week, and uh, uh, God's blessed. Uh, so thank you for praying for me. I, I won't uh, bore you with what all happened this week and what happened when I got home on Friday, but uh, it's, it's been busy. I shaved this morning, and I told Jeannie I got through shaving. I couldn't even remember I was shaving. I was so, whether I'd shaved or not, I was so busy. So uh, it's, it's all good. So we, we began to look a couple of weeks ago at Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 through 17. And uh, so we, we began uh, back before that in, in chapter 21. You'll remember that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey with a multitude of praise. And so now we are down to chapter 21, verse 12. And this morning my message would be cleansing, healing, and praise. And so when, uh, when, when, when all of those things happen... They happened out of a purpose and a reason. And uh, as I look at this, uh, there was really one more that I could have put in there. Uh, cleansing, and then we had prayer, and then we had healing, or, and then we had praising. And so, Jimmy, when we, when we put this up this morning, we're going to add another word to the title. So, so how can the church, how can the assembly become a place of prayer healing, and praising. Well, it's got to begin with a cleansing. And so that's what we're looking at. And we're looking at Jesus coming into the temple area and doing a cleansing. And so how are we going to apply that to our own lives, which is now the temple of, of Almighty God, and, and to the church? So we'll look at that after today. But we're looking today at particularly the, the prayer and the healing and the praise so Jesus comes in and he drives out the buyers and the sellers out of the temple. And we're going to continue with that scripture this morning. In verse 14, he heals uh, people that are blind and are lame. And then in verses 15 through 17, he replies to the priest and the scribes who have taken offense at the hosannas of the people and especially the children. And then late that night, he goes back to Bethany where he stays at night. So last Sunday, we began to glean from these verses. And here's what we began to look at. And I don't think these are in your notes, so you can just kind of look at me right now. There is a need to keep the assembly of the church as clean as we can keep it from sin. And there's a way in which to do that. There is a need to keep this temple as clean from the world and the sin as we can. And, and it, I'm thinking it would be a good time to go back and look at uh, Peter. And uh, Jesus said he didn't need to be baptized again. So it, it would be interesting to go back to that because every day when we're out in the world, we get contaminated whether we want to or not. Amen? I mean, when, when we wake up and we're hit with the world, we, are, we began that process of contamination. So it's really important that you, you and I realize that we, we're taking in a lot of sin and we need to rid ourselves of that on a regular basis. So we're going to keep the place of assembly clean. We're going to keep this temple clean through confession. 
now that the temple where we assemble and our bodies become a place of prayer, amen, that's what he intended for the assembly place to be. That's what he intends for us to be, people of prayer, of healing and of praise. We're going to see that in these scriptures. And when that is what the assembling place is, and that is what we are about being, people of prayer, listen to what happens. Those that need spiritual life and, and healing are free to come here and to us to receive that. All right, so I want to say that again. There was quite a bit there, so, so listen to me. When, when that is what the assembling place becomes, a house of prayer, are y'all with me? And that is who we are, people of prayer, amen? Then people who need spiritual healing can come and receive it here. And there are lots of people in need of spiritual healing. And number five. Now, if we are in that position as a church and as a people, then when those people come, are y'all ready for this? We won't be a hindrance to them. And when people come for spiritual healing, we don't want to be a hindrance. Amen? And then number five, that we should never be critical of how and who those people are who are praising the Lord. We, sometimes we'll be ashamed. Amen? We look around at people who have all sorts of troubles and all sorts of issues, just loving and praising the Lord with all they got. And here we are, and we can't even open our lips and make a little noise. It ought to embarrass us, amen? Well, that's exactly what happened to the religious leaders at the temple. All of these children are mimicking what they heard the adults doing when Jesus came in riding on that, that donkey and saying, Ho, Hosanna to the highest. And they start praising the Lord and all the religious leaders get indignant about it. So last week we looked at three things. There's a need to keep the assembly of the church clean, to keep the temple of God, which is our body, cleansed, and that the temple, our temple... And this place ought to be, first and foremost, a place of prayer. People ought to see you and know that if they ask you, you're going to pray for them. They ought to know that if they ask you to pray for them in cash savers, you're going to do it right then and there. They ought to know that we're people of prayer. So let's look at beginning in verse 14 this morning. Because this is where we're going to really be. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he what? Healed them. Praise the Lord. But when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, what Jesus did in the healing, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, <laughs> Yes, have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies 
you have prepared praise. And believing them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. So let me just quickly bring you up to date on verses 12 and 13 in case you weren't here last week, okay? And then you'll be able to flow right in with us. So let's go back to verse 12, and I'm going to run through these verses and then go right into verse 14. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. So the courtyard area had become a place of commercialization and really a place of uh, dishonest business practices. And so Jesus was fed up with this. For the second time, he cleanses the temple. So that's kind of the setting. So he entered into that outer courtyard area and drove out the buyers and the sellers. He, he drove out the business being done there. Now, we looked at two questions last week, and these are the two questions. Whether it was lawful for them to sell these things in that part of the temple. That was the first question. And what did we find out? Yes, it was lawful. And this week I went back to, oh, four or five scriptures in Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and Exodus that talked about uh, why they needed pigeons, why they needed the half shekel, why they needed the lamb. So, yes, it was lawful for them to do what they were doing. So what I want you to understand this morning, things that are lawful for us to do sometimes can become a snare. Sometimes can become uh, improper. So we need to be careful. Either, even what is lawful can be abused. Number two, if we say it was lawful, then by what authority did our Savior administer the temple cleansing? What gave him the right to go in and run out these people in the temple? So, what did we decide? He was the Son of God, and that's what gave him the authority. So, he was the Son of God, and by that authority, he could do what he did. The temple area was not to be profaned by commercialization, and the church is not to be. Uh, this is not a place to do business. You know, if you want to know the truth of it, it's not the place to go deer hunting. It's not the place to go back to the football game or whatever the case may be. Now, all of that's fine in the fellowship, but this is to be a place of prayer. We're to come here and to think about spiritual things. So we just need to be careful. So don't you come to church sometime and, and you think about, well, I'd like to talk to Bob about this, right? And then the Lord just says, this is not the place. Well, be sensitive of that. Just be sensitive. This is a this is a this is a, a somewhat of a holy place here, and we need to respect it as being such. the The place of assembly, our lives, right? This temple should be separated from the common. It should be separate. We should be separate of the world. Alistair Beggs had a great point. This world out there is not our world. And the prince of this world that we're living in, if you don't believe me, read Ephesians 2, is the devil. But we, this is not our world. This is not our kingdom. So we don't need to bring the world into our lives or into our church. 
And it surely was a place of prayer. Last week we looked at the fact that things allowed by God, right, can become corrupt. We looked at the fact that things allowed, uh, we, need to, we need to be careful even with those things that are allowed. We must watch the place of worship for corruption. We must watch that we do not pollute this temple, especially intentionally. I just think of one right off the top of my head, man. When you open up a website and look at pornography, you are intentionally defiling this temple. And when you've got one of these, you have access to that. We are not to bring that corruption into this temple. Verse 13, he said to them, it is written, My house shall be called a house of... Uh, why do you see? Matter of fact, we had uh, the last big funeral we had here was Prescott Henderson, Hendrix's house, uh, funeral. And, and so he, uh, he pastors number one New Testament house of prayer. Where, where do we get those titles? We, we get it right out of God's Word. It's to be called the house of prayer. But you make it a den of robbers. So he shows from Scripture prophecy what the temple should be. Look at Isaiah 56, 7. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house, y'all help me, shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. And I love that all, I love all peoples. I really like Revelation 7, 9. Uh, I saw huge crowds there, all nations, all people, all languages, all tribes. And it should be a house of prayer for all of those people. It will be called a house of prayer. The house of sacrifices is why they had those things in the courtyard area, was also to be a house of prayer. Now let's go to verse 14, which we haven't been to and looked at closely yet. And the blind and the lame came to him. Who's the him? Jesus in the temple, and he healed them. Listen, that is the place to go for healing. That is the place to go, especially for spiritual healing. Matter of fact, it's the only place to go for spiritual healing. Is to the Lord God Almighty Himself. So there in the temple, He healed the blind and the lame. Listen, when people come in this door, those doors there, they should, they should expect to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's our place as the people who normally assemble here to keep this place and this temple in such order that that will happen when people come here. It's our responsibility. So, listen to this. So, so I want you to think about it. He drove out the buyers and the sellers, right? So, in the temple, he drove out one group of people, and another group came in. They couldn't both cohabitate the courtyard there at the same time. 
So he drove out the buyers and the sellers, and all of a sudden these people come in that need healing. We want the place of worship to be a place, are y'all ready for this, where everyone is welcomed. What did, what did Alistair Begg say? Love everybody, affirm no sin. It doesn't matter what they, are, what they look like, what they're doing, what they have been doing when they come in that door. We are to love them, but yet we are not to affirm the sin that they might be obviously living in. That's our responsibility. We want the place of worship to be a place where everybody is welcome. Matthew Henry says about this scripture, The hungry he fills with good things, and the rich he sends away. That's what he does here. That's what he's done in scripture before. He preached in the temple, and in answer to what? Prayer and supplications, he heals the blind and the lame. I'm telling you, folks. We don't know when. But we must pray for those who need spiritual healing, who need salvation until we're either not here or they're gone. Without ceasing, without giving up. Now today, he's in the business of spiritually healing sick people. Which is a real miracle. To take a dead man, amen, a sinner an ungodly man, and an enemy of God, and make him a follower of Jesus. That's a real miracle. Hey, are there some real miracles in the house today? Wow. Preached a funeral yesterday of Jeannie's aunt, 98 years old. 83 years, she was a charter member of First Baptist Church, Mount Ida. Did y'all hear that? 83 years for most of her adult life, she taught a, a women's Sunday school class. Her husband was into the Gideons, and they went all over Arkansas. But, but, but that's what happens. We, we, we go from being a lost person to a follower of Jesus and leave that kind of heritage in serving the Lord. That's what happens when he takes a dead man and makes them alive. So when we come to the place of worship, we must have a desire that first and foremost... Christ is welcome there. Christ is welcome there. Do we want Him to be here? And do we want Him to be here in power? Not hindered. Bringing all that He can bring, including a spirit that convicts and a power that cleanses folks. Is that not what we need? The blind and the lame. Remember, they couldn't come into David's palace. You remember that? But they were admitted to God's house. It says in 2 Samuel 5, 8, Therefore it is said, The blind and the lame shall not come into my house. But who can come into this place? All those that need the Lord Jesus Christ can come here. That's the way it is with the house of prayer. Only the wicked, only the profane, only the unrepentant, are y'all listening to this? Should be kept from the house of prayer. Y'all hear me? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, the, the, uh, the wicked, 
the profane that would be repentant, would they be welcomed into this house? How about those that are unrepentant and obstinate? You know what that little uh, issue in chapter 18 of Matthew talks about church discipline? Sometimes the, they, the church discipline is practiced and they are disfellowshipped. It's a serious thing for the unrepentant to flaunt their sinfulness and when confronted by it, are unrepentant. The temple was profaned and abused when it was made a park marketplace, but it was honored when it became a place of prayer, healing, and praise. This place should be known as a place of prayer, healing, and praise. Amen? I'm glad Liam's listening. So I pray that God would make our place of worship such a place. A place that's a spiritually sick might come for healing. You remember the question in verse 11? They said, who is this guy? Is that not what it says in 2111? Who is this? Who is this that pulled this coming into Jerusalem on a donkey and all this praise? Who is this? Well, it's kind of being answered now. Who is this person? And here is your answer. His authority and his work testify that this is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Who else did this kind of work? Who else did these kind of miracles? No one other than the Son of the living God. So I want you to see today what he's capable of today. In every life, in every place of worship, in every place that seeks Him and welcomes Him and cultivates a place that He is welcome and cultivate His presence through continual and systematic cleansing, this man, the Son of God, comes with power. Do we want to have that kind of place? Absolutely, we want to have that kind of place. Those assembling places become houses of prayer and places of spiritual healing. Is, is that not what we want to see more of? More people that are dead spiritually made alive, more people called out of the world and into the kingdom of God. So, so kind of what we're talking about is a revival among us a cleansing among us that might allow God to use us to do an awakening among the lost. And I pray that God would bring that about. Where the spiritually blind and the lame come and are saved. Look at verse 15. This is what happens then. But when the chief priest, so we've had cleansing, we've became a house of prayer, we've had healing, Right? And then what's going to go on? Look at this. But when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies? You have prepared praise. 
So, so what happens when the cleansing takes place? We become a house of prayer and people are healed, healed spiritually. We become such a house of prayer that some people will be offended by it. And usually those that count themselves pretty high up spiritually are those people that would be offended by it. Because they, they, don't, have, they don't have the desire to worship like that. I'm telling you, when the temple is cleaned and it becomes a house of prayer and people are saved and lives radically changed, there is no way we can keep from praising God. And if you can't praise God for that going on, something's wrong. Especially if you resent somebody else praising God. And you know what, church? We never know when we're right on the verge of that happening. We just got to keep pushing to be the place and the people he would have us to be. And then verse 17, And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. Now these particular verses are only recorded by the Gospel of Matthew. The wonderful things mentioned are what? His healing the blind and the lame. And that really in influence folks. It's kind of like Lazarus being raised from the dead. People take notice of that. Well, let me tell you, people take notice when people who are living in the world's lives are radically changed. Well, matter of fact, yesterday, you know, you, know, uh, you grow up in a town, right? And uh, so you leave that town uh, in 1969. Can y'all say 1969? That's a long time ago. So how many years have I been gone from there? And so so, so Jeannie's, uh, one of her cousins, uh, oh, he's, he's five or six or seven years older than me. And so two of his, two of his buddies and, and another guy that his, uh, his sister was a year behind me. So they're all at this, uh, this funeral service and I'm preaching it. So one of, one of them came up and said, said uh, I, I can't quote it. It doesn't come exactly to me in a quote, but he said, he said, you're not the same guy you were. Absolutely. Matter of fact, I lived in Murfreesboro in 1980. You can tell people over there, I'm not the same guy I was. Right? And when lives are radically changed, people ought to see it. And when people see it, they ought to give praise. And when people see your lives radically changed, they're going to ask you, what in the world happened? And you only got one word to say, Jesus. Jesus saved me. He gave me a new heart and my spirit and a new spirit. I gave my life to him. So, the cry of these children displeased the religious authorities. It's just like somebody's being offended that Liam said amen. Or, uh, I have to look over at Bob and Nella or, or, or uh, Ian sings loud, louder than me. Somebody said, well, somebody ought to get that kid under control. No, somebody ought to sing like him. Amen? So it was the same kind of praise as when he entered the city. So how in the world did this happen? Listen, the kids saw what happened when he came into Jerusalem. Are y'all with me, adults? Kids are watching you. And the way you praise the Lord is how they're going to praise the Lord. If you can't open your mouth, if you can't make a noise, if you don't enjoy being here, y'all with me? You kids won't either. 
Matter of fact, they're going to see your hypocrisy and they're going to be ill at you for bringing them because they know you don't want to be here. So that's what happened to religious leaders. Psalms 8, 2 says, this is where, where, where does most of the words of Jesus and most of the words of Paul in the New Testament come from? Somewhere back in the Old Testament, right? So look at Psalms 8, 2. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. It embarrassed the religious leaders that such as these children could praise the Lord, are y'all ready, in a manner in which they could not. That's what offended them, that these kids could praise the Lord in such a way they didn't, they didn't have a desire to. It convicted them. It appears that those who had the most knowledge were the worst enemies of Jesus Christ at this time. I, I thought about John 5, 39, and I, I put it in your notes. <clears throat> because I, I know I have, I have known people who search the Scriptures, it says, because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they, the Scriptures, that bear witness about me. So we're not to worship the Scripture, okay? We are to worship the, pe the person that the Scripture speaks of, okay? So, so where I'm kind of going with this is sometimes the religious leaders at this time and in the church have missed Jesus. They know all the scriptures, but they've missed the Jesus of the scripture. So surely they would be offended at anybody else praising this, this Jesus, amen? They were mad that they... They could not deny who he was and his healings. It's kind of like uh, Paul uh, when they were talking about him and the apostles saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we could not deny it. And when they heard this, they were enraged and wanting to kill them. So these apostles, these followers of Jesus, it was obvious from their life that Jesus had done something in their lives. And it offended people. Every man's conscience that was there had witnessed the work of Jesus. Right? They had, it's kind of like creation. You can't deny that there's a God. They couldn't deny that this man was the Son of God. They knew in their hearts that he was the Son of God. They knew in their mind that he was. And they had witnessed it. But they were not willing to receive him or believe in him as you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And these men were resolved to oppose him and all that he did. They denied that these hosannas belonged to Jesus. Listen, pride will not allow a prideful man to give honor to anyone but themselves. You hear that? Pride will not allow a prideful man to give honor even to the Lord. The only, the only thing that they want honored is themselves. Now, how will you know that? They will be talking always not about what Christ has done in their life, but what I have done. So these prideful men were exposed. I can tell you the only thing I contributed 
to my salvation, are y'all ready for this, was the bad news. I just contributed to sin. Christ did all to save me and to cleanse me. You get to heaven, you want to forget that word I and remember that word Jesus. Amen? And what he did. You remember Saul became very jealous of what the women said about David. Pride, right? Wow. Proverbs 27.4 says, Anger is cruel and fury is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? It's a, pride's a terrible thing. So he has chased out the buyers and the sellers. He's healed the lame and the blind. And, and now <laughs> he sides with the children about the praise that is going on and corrects the scribes and the Pharisees. Did y'all hear me? This guy's coming to, to Jerusalem. He's a nobody. He doesn't even have a horse to ride on. He has to ride on a barred donkey. And then he goes into the, uh, the, the, the temple area and he calls out these children for their praise and condemns the ones that are critical of the praise. Wow. The children were in the temple. I, I think about the church on Wednesday night or the church on Sunday morning. Uh, sometimes the kids kind of find the uh, David Miller Memorial ramp pretty fun to run up, right? So perhaps these children were in the temple playing in the courtyard area and they were playing. Maybe since they saw that it was a marketplace, right? Uh, surely if you can do business here, we can play here. It, it's good to bring children into God's house. Amen? I think about all those churches with children's churches and the children never go into the place of worship until they're teenagers. Well, I think kids ought to come into the worship place. I, I mean, it, it's a joyful day when a, when a four-year-old says amen out loud so everybody can hear it in the church. You couldn't do that if they were in children's church, right? Why do they bring the children here? Are y'all ready? That they may be taught the things of godliness. They should be taught about how to worship. They should see how much you love the Lord. They were crying Hosanna to the son of David. And they learned this from the grown-ups. Little guys see and say what others do. Our Lord Jesus was well pleased with what the children did. Little children, they love Jesus, don't they? I mean, they love to sing the song about how much they love Jesus. The children have and will join in, are y'all ready? When adults openly worship the Lord. Matter of fact, they, they are more likely to follow you and follow your example than to listen to what you're saying to them. They want to see that you want to follow Jesus, that you love Jesus. And Christ takes notice of the little ones. He, throughout the, throughout the, the book of Matthew, we've seen that over and over. The little ones, the despised ones, the ones that are nothing of this world, Jesus takes special notice of them. So children teach us much about how we should praise the Lord. Amen? Uh, matter of fact, just come in on Wednesday night and you see these little guys coming 
coming through the door, running to their class. When's the last time you ran to Sunday school class? You with me? Or maybe hobble real fast, Miss Erica, <laughs> instead of running. But kids, kids set an example for us. Children, children teach us that we should praise the Lord. We came here to praise the Lord. Y'all know what that mockingbird at 2 o'clock in the morning is doing outside your window? He got just a little confused, and he thought it was time to praise the Lord. Just sings his little heart out. And so should we be praising the Lord. Luke 19, 40, he answered, I tell you, if these are silent, the very stones would cry out to worship the Lord. Huh? If we can't worship the Lord, who would? The rocks would. Christ loves the worship of the little ones. Christ is honored when the unexpected people honor him like the children. So, in closing, what have we learned in two Sundays? Well, we've learned five things in the last two Sundays. Let's, let's look at them again. There's a need to keep the assembly of the church clean. Can somebody say amen? Now, you need to be prayerful for me and for Tom and, and, and for Pablo because the overseeing of the assembly and, and keeping the assembly the way that the Lord would have it to be it will fall upon us. And so maybe there's some things that we need to do. Amen? Secondly, it is each one of the believer's responsibility to keep this body clean so God can fully occupy it. Amen? It is thirdly that this temple and this assembly place may be places of prayer and this morning we saw that when that is happening, those that need spiritual life or healing are free to come for their spiritual needs and we will not hinder them. Number four, that we should never be critical of those praising and honoring the Lord Jesus. I left number four out somewhere there. I've probably got two together. We won't try to figure that out right now. So, what I want you to be thinking about before next Sunday and praying for me as I try to figure this out while at camp with a bunch of boys, thinking about what all this means, and we will flesh out this, how that cleansing happens. How do you take care of, uh, how do you take care of your house at home? Every now and then you've got to systematically clean the house, right? I mean, you just put it off and you've thrown it over here and you put it over here and sometimes you just got to systematically clean the house, right? But there's also, at our house, okay, continually putting things up, kind of taking care of it. So that's got to happen in our, our temple too. How, how are we making sure that we keep this place clean and keep this meeting place clean? And we'll begin to flesh that out last week. How do we achieve this cleansing and do it God's way? So next week, we'll begin to talk about how this cleansing can take place that we might become the house of prayer, healing, and praise. Would anybody want to come and bring a close to...
this service this morning. I got you down, Billy. Come on.